This is a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org. To be standing before you guys once again. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, as Brian rightly said, we are doing a series on guiding Jesus for those that are here for the first time. Um, and I am uh, on the segment of uh, what. Jesus said about following him. Um, <clears throat> and uh, last week uh, we had uh, Simba and John Chinua who uh, did something a little extraordinary. You know, father and son coming and uh, preaching to us on family. And uh, for me personally, it really helped me. Um, and it's applicable even right now. I am comfortable with the fact that I'm not standing before strangers. I'm standing before my family. And uh, that gives me great joy and comfort too. And uh, as we know, uh, with family, you know, we mess up and uh, sometimes we say things, uh, we do things uh, that uh, offend. And uh, Jesus said quite a number of things that were quite offensive. Don't shoot me. I am just a messenger. All right. Let's remember we love each other. We're family, guys. All right. Um, getting straight into it. Uh, um, okay. I think I switched it on. Okay. Right. So, my headline text is coming from Mark uh, chapter 8, 34 to 38. It reads, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit, the, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, in, his adult, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. All right? Uh, I just wanted to read also from the Amplified Version, which uh, kind of expands it a little bit. It says, if anyone intends to come after me, let him deny himself, forget, ignore, which means to forget, ignore, disown, and lose sight of himself and his own interests, and take up his cross, and joining me as a disciple, joining me as a disciple and siding with my party, follow me, continually cleaving steadfastly to me, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever gives up his life for my sake, and the, for my sake and the gospels will save it. Hallelujah. Okay, and so just to give a little background, a bit of context to this, um, um, Jesus had uh, amassed a bit of a following. Uh, he had become a bit of a popular figure, and. Um, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, they were all blowing up. WhatsApp groups, you know, they were packed. This guy was the talk of the town. You know, he was the man, all right? And um, things were going, I mean, this guy was just on a roll. I mean, just in the chapter, in, earlier on in this chapter, uh, before the part that we read, Jesus fed 4,000 people, all right? 4,000 people with just seven loaves 
and a few fish. All right? Then he goes on to heal a blind man. You know, I mean, amazing stuff was just happening. So, you know, uh, Jesus was on fire, pretty much, and folks were, you know, it, it, in fact, you know, Jesus was so popular that if he called, if he had called for, you know, a rally or a stay away, okay, people would have, you know, <laughs> or, or if he had posted a video, okay, people, that thing would be going viral. I don't know if this relates to anyone or sounds familiar. But, you know, this was what was going on um, at Jesus, uh, during Jesus' time. And then, all of a sudden, Jesus starts to talk about um, death and suffering and uh, being given, given to, um, you know, to the hands of, of the leaders uh, and all that. And, you know, uh, Peter's like, hold on. Uh, and this is just from coming from confessing who Jesus was. Okay, he had confessed that Jesus, you are the Messiah to Jesus. And then he says, well, wait a minute. Uh, Jesus, you're talking about going, suffering, and dying. Uh, I, I didn't know this part. And so he says, you know, he pulls Jesus to the side. and says, Jesus, no, 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 no. You can't go and die on us. And Jesus <laughs> rebukes him back tenfold and tells him, you know what? Get thee behind me, Satan. Um, and, um, you know, it's at this point I'm just wondering, I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? You know? And I think, and I just trying to put myself where Jesus was at, you know? Um, I believe that at that time he was just like, okay, you know what? I've declared the mission to these guys. Peter is one of my closest guys and he doesn't get it, you know? I need these guys to get it because I'm on a mission and I want people not to be confused, not to be misled, not to be misguided, okay? I want them to know what my mission is, all right? And this is where Jesus comes out and says this stuff. People are following him and everything looks good and Jesus comes out and says, Take, uh, if anyone wants to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And all of a sudden, uh, things start to look a little bleak. Okay. So, I want to talk about uh, three little things. Um, sorry. Okay. I want to talk about uh, just three little things. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. And uh, what, does, what do these things, three things mean? mean? Okay. Um, so, talking about denying yourself. Human beings are known to be a bit self-centered. In fact, <laughs> just a bit, um, by nature. And, um, you know, you can tell, even as we tell our stories, our life stories, we are always at the center. And it seems, most of the time, we are the heroes or the villains, uh, the victims of the situation. Um, and uh, I remember, these guys are laughing in the front because we actually had a, a little debate in a group talking about movies 
and uh, we were just debating on you know villains and and I remember one of the debates that I had with Stuart, and he was saying that you know uh, well you know in Captain America you know the villain is the villain is uh, 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 Iron Man. And I said, no, come on, man. Iron Man is a good guy. He just had a bit of a, you know, an issue going on. And, uh, you know, Stuart went on to explain, well, you know, because the movie is uh, Captain America, therefore Captain America, it's Captain America's story. So, by default, because they are going against each other, Iron Man is the villain. Okay. And so that's how it is. Depending on who's telling the story. If I'm telling the story, I'm going to be the victim or I'm going to be the hero. Um, and even Jesus caught on to this um, self-centered nature of man and he used it um, to encourage us, I guess. You know, he says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And that was in an attempt to get man to understand that, okay, I'm in the center of all this. If I try to move myself and put someone there, okay, that's how it applies. So now, the same way that I look at myself, that I love myself, is the same way that I love man. And that's what Christ was trying to do when he said that. Um, and therefore, Christ is basically saying that we should be others-centric and not self-centric. And I remember Margie mentioning that in, in, in her message um, as well. And, um, and so in Romans uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 8, it says in the message version, focusing on the self of, so, on, so focusing on the self is opposite to focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores the, who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. All right. Self-centered people cannot please God. Are we together? Okay. Um, another point to note. Self-centeredness invokes the wrath of God. Um, we read in Romans chapter 2, verse 7, which, which says, uh, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, we, we give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. All right. And um, this is why Peter was rebuked by Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus says to him that you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And, and that was where Peter was at. He was concerned with humans and concerns. He wasn't focused on where Jesus was at and his mission. Amen. All right. Uh, Okay, here's a harsh one. Self-centeredness is demonic. Mm. Not me. The Bible says it. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, okay, 
in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Okay? Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. But how can we respond to all this? Um, Philippians 2, verse 3 to 8 says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others before yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In, relation, in, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who, being, very, being, being in very nature God, all right, did not consider equality, but God, but equality with God something to be used to his own, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, all right? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even a cross okay the fact is jesus was god guys but the bible here says that he made himself nothing okay he made himself nothing by become, by, by making himself man and I was like, okay, <laughs> I got a revelation there. I am nothing. That is what the word tells me. Because that's what it's saying, Jesus became nothing. Everything became nothing for my sake. Are you hearing this, guys? Are you hearing this? That is the extent to which Jesus went. The great and mighty and powerful God becoming nothing for me. And he gave everything. Okay. And so, um, Mark chapter 8, verse 35, whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it so whoever loses their life whoever wants to save their life will lose it whoever wants to lose their life will save it there's a lot of irony in there a lot of irony in there but that is the way of Jesus. So, what is it to deny ourselves? What is this that Jesus is talking about when he says deny yourself? Okay, basically, it is putting away your selfish desires and your earthly security and uh, in turn focusing it on the interests of God. So it's putting away your desires, your goals, your dreams, and putting God's desires first. Uh, denying yourself uh, 
turns us from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. And God is other-centeredness. What does that mean? It means God is at the center and others around that. We are not anywhere near the center. Amen. Um, and so self is no longer in charge. God rules our hearts. We need to be like empty vessels. Um, I'm reminded of the story of uh, Elijah and uh, a, a certain widow who came up to him. And basically she was at a point where she was broke. She owed money. Her husband had died. And uh, she came to Elijah and said, look, I need help. And uh, Elijah said, well, what can I do? What do you have? And well, she, she said, oh, I just have a, an almost empty jar of oil in my house. And uh, Elijah said, okay, go and borrow as many empty vessels as you can from a neighbor. Close up the door and start to pour oil into all these jars from that one jar. And she continued to do that. And she filled up jar after jar after jar. And the oil kept coming out. And she says to her son, well, bring more jars, bring more jars. And the son is like, there's no more jars. And we need, in, in the, especially in the Old Testament, oil represents the presence or the spirit of God. Okay. If we are filled with all our goals, our dreams, our desires, our self-centeredness, God cannot fill us with his presence. There is no space to pour his oil. So we need to be like empty jars before God. Are we together? Okay. Uh, right. We, <clears throat> so, when we get to that place where we are empty, where we are emptied of ourselves, Jesus then tells us, take up your cross. Um, in society, we have turned the cross pretty much into a fashion. You know, it's a very fashionable symbol. Uh, we see it a lot on tattoos and, and jewelry and all sorts of earrings. And, you know, there's a picture there of heels uh, in the shape of a cross. And that's what society has, you know, taken and used the cross symbol for. And you look at some of these, you know, I, I, you know, I watch some of these award shows, these music shows, and you check out these rappers, they've got this bling, and, you know, it's a cross, and, you know, and they come up, I want to thank God, you know. And you wonder, okay, do these people really understand what that symbol they're carrying really means? And... Um, you know, uh, the most reverend, Justin Welby, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury, he said this, for the early Christians, it is the cross. For the early Christians, it is, which, okay, it, which is the cross, was a badge of shame. Today, it is more commonly seen as a symbol of beauty to hang around your neck. A friend of mine used to say, you might as well hang a tiny golden gallows at an or an electric chair around your neck. Okay, how's that for a statement? Okay, we might as well, you know, put a death sentence 
literally around our necks. And this is what he is saying. Um, and so I want to talk about just four aspects that I was contemplating on of a cross in those days. When Jesus talked of taking up your cross, you know, I was picturing, okay, we, we, have, we have a lot of symbolisms now. The cross is definitely, you know, it symbolizes basically Christianity. And, but what did it mean then? Then Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. And so, this cross that Jesus was talking about was, in he- was a heavy, um, was, a, was, a, was literally two pieces of wood you know, put across each other uh, where someone would basically be nailed, tortured, and put to death. Um, the cross beam alone, which the condemned man was forced to carry okay, to the point of execution, was about 30 to 60 kilograms. Okay, the complete cross itself was 135 kgs. Okay. And um, some people, you know, if you talk of the cross, or, oh, you know, you must carry your cross, it, it has been interpreted in Christianity today as or some, you know, a burden that you must carry in life, or you know, a, 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 a sour relationship, or I don't know, <laughs> a job that is not so, you know, that doesn't pay so much. And not to make mockery of these things that we go through, um, but I don't think that is the full essence of of what is what Jesus was trying to say when he talked about taking up your cross. Okay, um, again, the most reverend Welby here says, we are now living with a symbol emptied of power by time and fashion. Christianity with, power, with, with a powerless cross is Christianity without a throne for Christ or an aspiration for Christians. A cross that has no weight is not worth carrying. Okay. I remember Rob saying to me the other day, if it ain't heavy, it ain't a cross. Um, and so, because of the fact that the cross is so heavy, we need to be intentional. We need to put in effort and we need to be committed uh, or be determined when taking up our cross. Uh, I was just thinking, you know, if, uh, I don't know, a popular guy drove in or just someone that, you know, I wanted to help. And um, because this is basically what, what the disciples uh, or what these followers were like, they, they wanted to get involved in what Jesus was doing. And so Jesus drives in uh, with his car and uh, he's emptying out stuff from his vehicle. Heavy stuff, maybe it's heavy sound equipment or whatever. And here comes Farai holding his baggage. Okay. Jesus, can I help you? And he looks at me. Okay, you want to help me? Yeah, Jesus, I want to help you. Okay. Uh, what have you got in your hand there? Oh, well, it's just my stuff. 
it's me, <laughs> my baggage. Okay, you want to help me? Yes. Well, why don't you put that down? And so you can take up my cross. You want me to put this down? Yes. Because that's what makes sense. Put your stuff down and take up my cross. What about my stuff? You just have to trust me. You just have to trust me. Put it down there. Are you going to pick it up, Jesus? I don't know. Take up my cross and let's go. That is what Jesus is saying. Are we together? Okay, good. Um, so the cross is heavy, okay? Um, one other point I wanted to make there, okay? Um, the cross is heavy. We are, and so we should be burdened with no, not things of ourselves, but the things of Jesus, correct? Okay. What, are the thing, what is the thing that Jesus is most concerned about? What is his burden? In Luke 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Okay. So, Jesus is concerned with what? The lost. Right? Amen? Yeah, he is. All right. Can I ask a question? How many here are in full-time ministry? Just show whether... It's a show of hands. Okay. One, two, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, I see about six hands. Okay, fine. Okay, well, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. I said, how many hands? Five, six. Okay, five, six hands. Remember that number. Okay, all right, we're moving on. The cross is humbling. Okay, um, so the cross was a punishment, and uh, it was an example for uh, the public to see as well. It was a punishment for the criminals, and it was an example for those witnessing to see and be like, okay, I don't want to end up there. Um, okay, I got it, you know. This is painful. And uh, yeah, this is just humiliating. And it's, yeah, these people were hung naked. Um, a lot of them, majority. So it was a real humbling experience. Uh, they were laid bare for everyone and exposed to everyone. And that just got me thinking, this is the state that God wants us to be in when we approach him, laid bare for him to see everything, naked pretty much before him. That is what the cross entails. That is what the cross entails. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, 9 to 11, for I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me has not, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet, none, yet not I, but the grace of God, that, but not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then, it is I or they. This is what we preach, and this is what you believed. And this is Paul just getting personal and saying, you know what? Without the grace of God, I would not be here. I had to be humbled to be here. Amen. Okay. 
The cross is painful. Um, the cross is painful. Uh, in fact, you know what? It was so painful that a word was created for it. Crucifying. I mean, sorry. <laughs> Excruciating. Okay, excruciating literally means from the cross or out of crucifying. Um, Jesus said, others like, others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So Jesus was basically saying, that persecution will come. He was assuring us of pain. And Jesus was basically saying, pick up pain and suffering and follow me. The cross meant death. Then he said to them, all... Then he said to them, oh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Pick up the cross daily and follow me. Okay, so this was basically until death. And how often were we to do this? Daily. So we were to do this daily for life. And we would only retire or that moment when you put your cross down. <laughs> Definitely. So it meant death. Okay. And so the other thing that Jesus was also saying here was, are you prepared to die? Should the time come? Are you prepared to die for this? All right. And so what, is, what should our attitude towards the cross be? Um, I was just thinking, even when someone comes, a new person into the city, and they don't know what's going on, and there's a crucifixion take, taking place, it is exposed, it is there visibly to, see, to be seen by everyone. You know, there is no question what is going on here. Um, and so that is the same with us. It is clearly visible. It can be seen. Your cross is visible and should be visible when you carry it and take it up to the world. Okay? To the world. Um, I'm going to skip this, script, this reading because we are behind time. But I want, to take, I want to just focus on what Paul says here. May I never boast except in the cross for, of our Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has crucified me and I to the world. Folks, Paul is saying here, may I never boast in anything else other than the cross. This cross, which is painful, this cross, which means death, this cross, which is heavy, this cross, which is humbling. This is what I will boast in and not my own desires, not my own achievements, but the cross. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, I have to close up now pretty much. Um, so I just want to touch up quickly. On following him. All right, so Jesus has, to, has said to me, okay, I must deny myself and I must take up this cross. Okay, 
Jesus, I don't think following you is really fun anymore, okay? But I just wanted us to establish one thing. Jesus knows everything, okay? He is aware of events past, present, and future, right? You know, his knowledge even extends to what we think, okay? He is aware of every possibility, every eventuality, every imaginable outcome of any series of events. He is perfectly qualified to lead you, to guide you. The world says, follow your heart. What does your heart know? He, Jesus, knows everything. He knows all. He is qualified to be your guide. He is qualified to lead you. Okay? Um, so, practical ways that we can follow Jesus. Our uh, Discipleship is one of the methods that we can follow Jesus. Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. And uh, Stuart, uh, I remember when uh, we were doing a Purple Life meeting and uh, uh, Taps came along and uh, Ronald was right behind him. And Ronald was uh, dressed in cargo pants, a tight top, a cap, and, and, and glasses, the same way that Taps is dressed. And I had a friend of mine, um, I had a friend of mine called Jeff. And I said to Jeff, Jeff, uh, Ronald is a disciple of someone here. Guess who? <laughs> he looked at Ronald, he looked at Taps, he started laughing. Ronald looked like Taps. When we are discipling or being discipled, we aim to be like that person. We aim to follow, Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. When you follow the example of someone who looks like Christ, you are following the example of Christ. You are aiming to look like Christ because you look like someone who looks like Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, another thing, another practical thing. Um, the Holy, we must be guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, we must be guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, the, word, the word says in Romans 8, 8 verse 12, uh, 8 verse 12 to 14, or verse 14 rather, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We, we must be led. We, we, we sang here that I am a child of God. You know, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. Why? Because we are led by the Spirit of God. Amen. The other two are uh, prayer and, uh, and reading the Word of God. Okay, so um, and so here it is, you know, 
what are the perks, what are some of the perks of following Jesus Christ? You know, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. All right. The world doesn't hate you. The world cannot reject you, my friend. We fear sometimes of rejection and all this, but the world does not reject you. The world rejects Jesus Christ. And so when we're following him, and all of a sudden we're saying to ourselves, oh, Jesus doesn't understand what I'm going through. Jesus doesn't understand all this. Guys, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through because he's been through it. You're following him. He is the example that was set. He is the reason why they reject you in the first place. Amen. Okay. The last thing I just want to close with because my time is up. My time is up, so I'm just going to jump to the end. And this is my favorite thing. This is what I just wanted to get to. Okay. Um, Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 40, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Okay, I just wanted to re-emphasize on this. Okay. We will be like our teacher. All right. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. The word says that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit does not do anything unless I tell it to. So the Holy Spirit is instructed by Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit instructs you, it's Jesus who is teaching you. When you are following, when you have decided to be discipled, it's Jesus teaching that person who is in turn teaching you. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Jesus said, go forth into the world, you know, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. That was his aim. That was his goal. That was his mission. If we want to be like Jesus, Jesus who made disciples, we need to be going out and making disciples. We need to be going out and baptizing. We need to be going and instructing people and telling them to obey the things that Jesus has commanded us. I want to ask the question again, how many of us are in full-time ministry? Everybody. Everybody is in full-time ministry. This is what following Jesus is all about. This is what it is. And so I pray God has helped us. I pray he's encouraged you. Um, can we bow our heads and pray? Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word this morning. We want to thank you that you've met us uh, in this place this morning. Father, may you encourage us uh, to be followers and not just believers, followers of Jesus Christ. Father, may we boast in the cross that you have commanded us to carry. Father, may we put aside our selfish desires um, uh, and, and, and goals, Father, and may we make them second to your mission and to your purpose in us, Lord God. We pray, Father, that we would respond to this word, Father, because when you said to your disciples, follow me, they immediately, there and then, 
put down everything and followed you, Father, and this is your requirement. This is what pleases you. Father, may we respond to your word accordingly. Father, we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You have been listening to a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org.